Well, are you thankful for Emmanuel this morning? God with us. And life is not always easy, right? In fact, when is it ever? But with God with us, God for us, who can be against us, amen. Well, good morning and happy new year. Maybe a little early. Technically, today is the first Sunday of Advent, which is technically the beginning of the new year for the church around the world. But if you're not ready quite to turn the page on a new year, you can wait another month if you like. But the end of the year, I find, is a great time to reflect on the last 12 months and everything that has happened, right? And our family has a pretty cool Christmas tradition on my side, I think, uh, where every Christmas we get together in the afternoon, everybody circles up and we go around and we each share two things. One, we share what is something unexpected that happened in the last year, something we didn't see coming. And we share what is something that we hope to see or do or accomplish in the year to come. My mom keeps a running journal of these things so we can look back and remember and sometimes laugh. And as you can probably imagine, last Christmas at the end of 2020, no one had a hard time finding something to mention that Took them by surprise, right? Something unexpected. And at the time, Michelle, my wife, was nine months pregnant. And so really, I think our big hope for the year to come was just that our little boy would be born healthy. And two weeks later, he was. I think we got a little picture. Look at what a little nugget. He was immobile. You could just put him down and he wouldn't go anywhere. A lot's changed in, the, in almost a year. Um, this was last week during rehearsal. I'm laughing myself silly. <laughs> now, anything that he can climb up on or reach or pull out of a drawer or a cabinet ends up where? On the flow. <laughs> yeah, right? Can anybody relate? Do I get an amen? I know we got some baby uh, families around here. Um, something that we didn't foresee also, I would say, at the beginning of the year was how many adventures we would go on with him. We didn't set out beginning, like thinking, okay, let's do as much as we possibly can this year. But adventure kept calling and we kept answering and be like, yeah, that sounds good. Let's try it out, you know? And so if we got that next picture, Kai... Here's a few of the places that, we, that we've been this year with him. So far in his first year, he's been to 13 states, four national parks. He's, been, uh, he's flown on 20-something planes, and he's logged 20-something thousand highway miles. And we've got a travel journal to prove most of it. And some might say, why? <laughs> why bother? He's not going to remember when he's older anyway. Like, what's the point? And, and maybe... Maybe not, but man, we sure will, right? And this week, especially, I've been acutely aware that, that none of us are guaranteed tomorrow. Our prayers. Are with you and your family. Even as I say this, you know, my... My own dad is, and I see 
move it down the street. And our hope for Wyatt is that he would live a long, fruitful, adventurous, and impactful life. But you know what? If he was gone tomorrow, we would sure be thankful for the memories that we've made this year. And if he was gone tomorrow, yes, we would grieve. Yes, it would be tragic. But ultimately, church, our hope is not in our child. Our hope is not in a person or a government or any institution. Our hope is in Christ alone. And on this first Sunday of Advent, the theme is hope. So I want to dive into that a little bit. If you have your Bibles, you can turn or tap to Psalm chapter 25. Sorry, I realize I'm pacing a little bit this morning, and I don't think I do that with the headset mic as much, but for whatever reason, I feel like I'm like dropping rhymes on this thing, so I'm pacing. But Psalm 25, <laughs> I think the psalmist captures a little bit of this idea of hope in the midst of any circumstance. And in verse one, he starts off simply saying, in you, Lord, my God, I put my trust. Some translations actually have the word surrender in here. It's like David is beginning by surrendering himself to God. And then in verse two says, I trust in you. Do not let me be put to shame. Nor let my enemies triumph over me. These were probably the things that he was staring down the barrel at at the time. Show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me for you are God, my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. My hope is in you all day long. My hope is in. Do you remember how ready some of us were for the year 2020 to be done, for it to be over? So many people were dealing with hardship and heartache and the events had been so stressful. And I think some of us, myself included, probably just wished we could kind of turn the page on 2020 and close a chapter forever so that we could move on into a fresh start, right? Six days into the new year, there was a riot on the Capitol and suddenly the new just felt like the old all over again. And now, toward the end of 2021, a year later, There are still people experiencing hardship, heartache. And I wonder if for some, this picture ideal of hope seems like it's been set up on a top shelf where it's just just out of reach. It's just unattainable. It just kind of sits there as a tease. So this morning, I want to ask the question, what is hope? Have you ever had a conversation with someone and... You're using the same word, but it's pretty apparent that you don't mean the same thing, right? I think that's sometimes how we look at this word, hope. The world has kind of this one picture and the the Bible paints picture. And the modern idea of hope, I think, is this, to wish for, to expect, but without certainty of the fulfillment. It's to to desire very much, but with no real assurance of getting your desire, right? It's like hoping to win the lottery. It's a real fat chance, right? But some people really desire it, right? It's just cloaked in uncertainty and improbability. Now, 
By contrast, let's look at the biblical view of hope, which is simply a strong and confident expectation. Hope is an indication of certainty. And if we put these two phrases next to each other, unsure, optimism, which is the world's view versus confident expectation, which one of those seems more wishy-washy and which one seems a little bit more secure, right? I know which rock I'd like to stand on. Also, maybe interestingly, at least for me, hope by its very nature is primarily futural, meaning it deals with things that haven't happened yet and invisible. So it deals with things that haven't happened yet and things you can't see or both, right? And as we read in Romans chapter 8, Dana was there just a moment ago. Uh, Romans chapter 8, beginning in verse 24, we read this, for in hope we have been saved, but hope that is seen is not hope. Can you see how now through a biblical lens, it's actually impossible to place hope in any person, in any politician, in any prize, because you can see them. It says, um, but hope that is seen is not real hope, for why does one also hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see with perseverance, we eagerly wait for it. J. Hampton Keesley III, what a royal name. But he says this, Biblically, from the standpoint of the object hoped for, hope is synonymous with salvation and its many blessings as promised in Scripture. These blessings come under the category of what we cannot see. For example, we do not see the justifying work of God, nor do we see the indwelling of the Holy Spirit when we are saved. We believe this to be a reality, but it's actually a matter of our hope. We believe in the testimony of God and in the word and in the hope, and we hope for the results in our lives. A hope is a confident expectation, the sure certainty that what God has promised in the word is true, has occurred, and or will in accordance with God's sure word. So the question then this morning, how do we know if we're living with true hope? And I have four traits of biblical hope. I'm sure there's a lot more, so feel free to add to this list. But a couple things that I just hope maybe will help us out this morning. Number one, I believe biblical hope is active. I don't see anywhere in the Bible where hope is, is passive right, or static. I don't see anywhere in the Bible where hope equates to me sitting on a rocking chair doing nothing, waiting for something good to happen to me. Hope doesn't leave us idle. Hope is not an escape from reality. Hope is not an escape from our problems. Get this, if our hope is biblical and based on God's promises, it will put us in gear. Hope is active. Second trait, I believe biblical hope has results. First one being this, hope changes how we see ourselves. We begin to see this world as more of a, a temporary layover, a temporary home than a permanent destination, right? Second Peter uh, chapter 1, verse 13 says, I think it is right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body. What's a tent? It's a temporary home. Because I know that I will soon put it aside, as our Lord Jesus Christ has made it clear to me. Peter is saying these words uh, after he's already declared that believers are foreigners, aliens, exiles in this land. 
He's made it clear that as believers, this world as we know it, as we see it, is not our permanent stay. And I'm wondering this morning, think about the thing that you worry, that worries you the most. In a hundred years from now, will it still matter? A thousand years from now, will it still matter as much? Years ago, when I got my first tattoo, someone approached me and said something that sense. It's like, I just don't understand why you would put such a permanent mark on your body. It's going to be on there forever. And I said, no, it's not. It's only going to be on there until I die. Because this life is temporary. This body is temporary, right? This is not my permanent destination this morning. I pray that we could see through the eyes of eternity. So hope changes how we see ourselves. Second result, I believe, hope changes what we value. It makes us heavenly-minded rather than earthly-minded. Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 19, says, I, by the way, I know there's a lot of scripture coming at you fast this morning. You can listen to the podcast later if you need the references, I guess. But Matthew six nineteen, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This time of year, you're probably used to seeing the image of Santa Claus pasted all over the place. And and the legend of Santa Claus has its roots in St. Nicholas, who was a very real fourth century bishop. And St. Nicholas was born into a wealthy Christian family. And basically what he did as a man of the cloth, he ended up taking his family fortune and over the rest of his life, he spent giving it away to those less fortunate than himself. When someone could have said, hey, yo, yo, Nick, that money could do a lot more work in a bank. And I just think he had this picture of eternity. He said, I'm not gonna invest my money in a bank when I can invest it in people. In 100,000 years from now, will you be known for the cool things you have for the people that you invested in. We can make a mark on eternity, this temporary life. Result number three, I believe hope affects what we do with our lives, with our time and our talents and our treasures. Titus chapter two, verse 11 says, for the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. You see, hope not only reminds us of God's faithfulness in our lives, hope reminds us of who we are, that we are a people of hope in the midst of despair. We are a light to the world. You know, it's interesting, that song we just sang about Jesus being the light of the world, and that's so true. And that same Jesus, during a festival of lights in the temple, stood up and said, yeah, I'm the light of the world, but guess what? Now, you are the light of the world. It affects what we do with our lives, with our time, with our talents, with our treasure. Third trait, I believe biblical hope has rewards and blessings. And I know these can be tricky words sometimes to work through in our faith because you're like, well, are you talking about prosperity gospel? And I'm no, no. 
what we're talking about is true hope here. The first blessing, I believe, is that hope, true hope, gives us joy and peace. Romans 15, 13 says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Second blessing, I believe that hope gives us strength, courage, and boldness. Psalm 31, 24, be strong and courageous, all you who hope in the Lord. Third blessing, I believe hope gives us confidence and comfort even in the face of death. 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. You see, there's a difference in the way that believers and non-believers grieve. Verse 14, for we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. And when the world grieves, there is no hope. There is nothing after the end. All they have is loss. But when a believer grieves, yes, you, you grieve because you miss the person. You grieve because now you've lost this color in their life that just saturated your own. You're going to miss out on future opportunities with them. But at the same time, we celebrate because that person is face to face with Jesus. That person has no more sickness. That person has no more pain. There is no more hurt or longing for anything. They are in perfect harmony and community with their savior. Fourth trait, I believe biblical hope depends on the spirit-filled life. In Romans 15, 13, again, we just read it, but it, it says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by what? The power of the Holy Spirit. So this true, real hope is available to anyone who has the Holy Spirit living inside of them. That is why we are called and equipped to be a voice of hope in the world. Hope is active. Hope changes what we value and how we see the world. Hope gives us joy, peace, and confidence even in the face of death. But true hope is only available to believers through the Holy Spirit. That is why hope is synonymous with the great commission to go and make disciples in every nation, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. You're like, that sounds like evangelism. I don't have the gift of evangelism. You have the gift of hope. And you are placed in this earth to be a beacon of it, to be a voice of hope. A few questions for reflection. What have you fixed your hope on? And does your life prove it? Has it changed who you are, what you value, and what you are doing with your life? Who are you a voice of hope to in your home or workplace or school or community? There's one more nuance of hope I'd like to touch on this morning. 
If you want to look back at Psalm 25, you can, but in the passage we read, the word hope appears twice, and both times it's the same Hebrew word, kavah, which has a double meaning, a double literal meaning on it. Kavah means both to wait eagerly, and it also means to gather or bind together tightly. And it's this, it's this picture of community. It's this picture of rope and multiple strands of rope being braided together, becoming stronger as, it, as it's being woven, right? And that's the picture of community as believers. You see, hope is not just individual. Hope is communal. Just as the people of God waited for centuries, they hoped for centuries for the Messiah to come. And today... It's just as true that we need each other to strengthen each other as we confidently expect the things that God has promised. I feel like the last couple years have challenged that in some ways. I don't know if you even remember BC before COVID when, (laughs) yes, some of you all were thinking like, BC, how long ago was that? (laughs) Um. But, you know, back then, we did nothing online. We were 100% in person. And, and I'm thankful for technology and the way it's allowed us to stay somewhat connected over these last couple years. But, but can you feel that the rope doesn't feel as strong? It's here, our, our definition of community, real community at renovation is, is when we sweat, laugh, cry, and dream together. And how many of those things can you do when you're not physically present together? It's different. It's different. And I look forward to the day, however distant it may be, where we can all be together in one place, again, rubbing shoulders, praising God at the top of our lungs, because something happens when you're in the room that doesn't translate over the camera, unfortunately. And I know I'm so thankful, again, for technology and for the way that it allows us in these seasons of sickness and health issues to stay, try to stay connected. But man, I look forward Good thing about having had COVID and recovered on the outside is when my brain blips, I can blame it on COVID brain. It doesn't matter how long it's been, amen. Um, <laughs> anyone ever see the Disney cartoon, The Emperor's New Groove? <laughs> um, so at the beginning of this movie, it's this kind of opening montage, this musical number, and this elderly gentleman wanders into the, the palace, and he accidentally bumps into the emperor, causing all the music to halt, because he threw off the emperor's groove, right? <laughs> and if I'm honest, the last couple years, I feel like I've kind of lost my groove. And not just COVID, you know, there was for so long... For at least 50-plus years, I was in full-time ministry as a single person. And then last year, partially due to, to COVID happening, but I mean, quick fashion to her, we got married, had a baby come on the way, friend living in the house, stuff everywhere, bathroom being remodeled. Our life, like, turned upside down overnight. And then you can add to that this little thing called a pandemic and all the other joys that 2020 brought, right? And I feel like we're going along, going along, going along, and suddenly... You threw off my groove. Years ago, Joel and I were leading worship in a, with a band, and he was on drums. We were playing a song, I think it was in 6-8, as a little bit 
more complicated time signature than the standard four. And we got to this instrumental part. Man, he leaned into it, doing this really cool fill with off accent stuff. And, and as I'm sitting here playing, and, and I realize, okay, this fill is going for a while. And I looked back and became aware immediately that he'd lost his groove. <laughs> he'd lost the downbeat, and he was still playing in time, but he was just filling time until someone could count him back in, right? And so I did, and we were able to continue on the song with an extended instrumental. <laughs> and sometimes all we can do is fill in the time, still playing in time with the thing we knew to do last, going to church, Bible study, giving faithfully, whatever it is. But I'm wondering if anyone else this morning feels like somehow you've lost your groove. I think there's part of me this morning too that wishes if we could go back to two years ago, could we just go back there <laughs> to the way things were to find that groove again? But on the other hand, I'm reminded no, because there's no hope in the past. We can honor the past, we can remember the past, we can learn from the past, but our hope is in the future of what's to come. And I don't want to go back. And this morning as a church, I don't know when exactly, but I believe God's gonna give us a new groove. And it's gonna be more than we could have asked or imagined. So this morning, this first Sunday of Advent, we light the Christ candle. This will be lit each of the next four weeks, leading up and including the Christmas Eve service. And this will be the candle from which, during our candle lighting service, we light and pass the light throughout the room. And we'll see the light grow from dark into well lit. And that's the picture when Jesus, the light of the world, puts the light of the world in us and says, now go. Right? And you know, because it's not just us that need hope. Romans 8, 22 tells us that all creation groans in expectations for things to be made right. I feel like even amongst non-believers, there's this sense that the world is somehow not the way that it should be, that it's supposed to be, that it's somehow broken. And when Jesus comes to make all things right, there's a world that needs hope in the dark. This morning, maybe you just find yourself in a dark place whether the last couple years have just taken its toll on you. Um, I'd like to recommend a simple little book called Hope in the Dark by Pastor Craig Rochelle. Because sometimes we have questions, like the song said early, for all those who wonder. And sometimes we have questions like, where was God when I was being abused? Didn't he care? Why can't we have a baby? What happened to my marriage? Why did God let this happen to me? Why can't I seem to get ahead? Why did the cancer come back? Why have my kids abandoned the faith? And, and I believe Pastor Craig does a great job and an easy read of addressing some of these questions. So this morning, I wanna pray kind of for three people groups. One is for salvation, anyone 
who has not yet received Jesus because this hope is incredible. This hope is amazing, but it's only available through the Holy Spirit. So this morning, if you would like to accept Christ into your life and and begin this journey of hope, I want to pray for you and then for the one this morning who may struggle with the why, who may be just sitting in the middle wondering why would God let this happen. I want to pray for you and for the one this morning who just feels like maybe you've lost your groove. So let's pray. Well, God, this morning, we come from a whole variety of backgrounds, a whole variety of life experiences, and yet we gather around one God. We celebrate that one Jesus who came to earth and is coming again. And God, this morning, for anyone who has not yet made that profession of faith, who has not yet placed their hope in you, God, I pray they would just echo in their heart these words. Jesus, I need you. I confess that I have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Jesus, I ask that you would come into my heart. Make me new. Place within me that great hope. And by your grace, help me to cultivate it well. Forgive me, God. And God, for the one this morning who's struggling with the why, I'm so thankful that you are a God who embraces our difficult questions. I'm so thankful that you are a God who embraces our doubts and our fears. God, this morning, I pray that your Holy Spirit would do what only you can do that would move in hearts, move in light. And, and what scripture often refers to is, is just your gentle whisper. Would you remind us of who you are? Remind us of your faithfulness in our lives and that you will, who have begun a good work, will, be, will carry it through to completion, God. God, for those who are hurting in this season, I just pray that your church would just wrap around them like a winter coat to hold, to grieve, to love, to laugh. God, for the one this morning who maybe just feels like they've lost their rhythm, whatever that may mean, God, I pray for fresh vision, for fresh fire, for a fresh indwelling of the Holy Spirit in each and every life here, God. That we would begin to see, not necessarily picking up where we left off, but God, hoping for the new rhythm. May we find ourselves in it joyfully, God. And for this church, which has been such a gift to me, 
and to so many, God. I'm just, I'm thankful for the years we've seen your faithfulness here through, through seasons of abundance and through seasons of scarcity. And God, I know that if this is truly your church, you're not gonna let it go. <laughs> so God, we may not have the groove we had, but God, we are asking for a new groove. We're asking for your Holy Spirit to enlighten uh, our staff, our pastor. We're asking for your Holy Spirit to enlighten every lay leader and every attender, God, here this morning, all the way down to the youngest baby. Would your Holy Spirit do what only you can do, God. And so we have this confident expectation in the unseen good, not yet here. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, if you're able, would you stand with me? I just want to read a quick benediction, and then you're dismissed. You can go beat the Baptist to Cracker Barrel or whatever you, <laughs> whatever you got going on this morning. <laughs> Let me declare this over us, though. So may we not leave the light of hope in this space, but take it with us to our homes, our workplaces, our schools, and our communities, that they may also know the hope of the world, who is Jesus. Amen. Amen. You are dismissed. Go in his grace and peace.